welcome to another episode of Poetry Says, everybody. My name is Alice. Thank you so much for downloading this one. Today, I would like to chat with you about something that has really, really helped me over the past five to seven years as a poet, as someone who tries to write poems semi-regularly, and that's creating a relationship with a mentor. The idea of mentorship in poetry is actually quite a troubled one. And so I wanted to talk a bit about, first of all, how I came to have a poetry mentor and what that relationship looked like, and then draw a bit on a great interview with Eileen Miles and Jennifer Firestone that I just came across recently that just talks about some of the problems with that relationship and, yeah, just throws up some questions that you might want to think about if you're looking to get yourself a poetry mentor. So well back in the day, back when I still lived in Canberra, I applied for the Australian Society of Authors Mentorship Program, which is one that you might have heard of if you're the kind of person who, like me, subscribes to Writer's Centre emails and gets those updates the ASA mentorship program used to come up fairly regularly and it was an expensive one to apply for too I think it was $75 for the application it was a pretty involved application you had to send uh, examples of your work and you had to choose three mentors from their list that you would be willing to be paired with And so, yeah, you put a lot of work into it. And every time I applied, I think I applied three times, I really desperately wanted it. I wanted that application to come through more than any poem that I ever sent out because I really felt adrift in Canberra. I didn't feel that I had a poetic community around me. I I hadn't stumbled upon the poetic community that was there at that time. And so I really thought that the way to get advice on how I should write and how I should get better was to go through this very formal $75 long application process. Uh, Needless to say, I was unsuccessful all three times. And yeah, those rejections really stung a lot more than some of the poems that I was getting uh, sent back to me at the time because I just wanted it so badly and I kept thinking, well, I need this help. So... Clearly, if you're reading my work and you don't like it, maybe give me the mentor so that I could get better. You know, I was very, it's very grumpy and entitled about these rejections. And yeah, I just, I, I really thought too that this was the only way I was going to get a poet, poetry mentor. I hadn't considered that this was a relationship I could just build on my own outside of this very formal process. But eventually I decided to give up on applying to Australian Society of Authors and just had a brainwave one day and thought, well, wait a minute, I could actually do this myself. If I just get up the courage to email someone that I respect, then maybe I can just ask them and maybe they will be my mentor just because I asked. So I went about it in a very roundabout way. What I did was I emailed the editor of a journal who had published a few of my poems at that stage. And I said to her, not do you want to be my mentor, but do you know anyone who's looking for a mentee? Uh, I think that was a very, um, you know, I could have been a lot more direct than, than that. But she very kindly gave me two names, 
of people that I could write to. And um, of those two people, one of them very, very kindly agreed to take me on. And I knew this at the time, but it was such a huge thing for her to do that for me because um, what it ended up being for about a year was me sending three poems at a time, maybe once every maybe four to six weeks and gradually kind of tapered off. Um, and she would charge me a very nominal fee for reading these poems and giving me feedback on them. And the feedback was some of the most precious information that I had at that point, because up until then, all I had was either poem gets accepted or poem gets rejected. You have no idea in that relationship what you've done wrong, quote unquote, what the editor would really like to see more of or less of. Um, The only way to sort of learn how to get better when you're working on your own like that is to just keep reading, which is, of course, incredibly valuable and important. But it doesn't really show you what to do on a line level, on at the word level in your own work. You can't necessarily see all that easily what's wrong. And so having somebody read my stuff and track changes and put comments and say, what about if you left this line off? And what about if you put a stanza break here? That kind of thing was just pure gold. Um, A couple of those poems did go on to get published, which was really, really great. A lot of them didn't. And that was also an interesting part of the process was learning that even if I did everything that my mentor said to do, I wasn't necessarily uh, guaranteed publication after that. So I think I learned gradually through that, that this uh, very kind and generous person didn't necessarily have all the answers. And uh, by following her advice, I wasn't going to suddenly just get a gold star and get published by every journal. Um, And I learned too, through the process, what it felt like to know when a poem was finished, because I remember sending her work and thinking, um, I'm really confident she's going to like this. And then also thinking, oh my God, I think she's going to hate this, but I'm going to send it anyway, just because I wanted to get something done (laughs) that week. I would just send things sometimes. Um, And so I started to gradually get a feeling that like, this is what it feels like when you're done with a poem. And this is what it feels like when you know you've got more work to do. And I think that's why I gradually stopped sending poems because that was the thing that I needed to learn. And that was the the valuable lesson that came out of that. It wasn't this, um, you know, here's how you do stanza breaks, here's how you do line breaks and and word choice and that kind of thing. It was more, here's how you know when a poem is done. And just that, that confidence that kind of came to me through getting this, getting this feedback from her was so, so valuable. And I still, obviously I still draw on that today. So I guess I share that story really as an encouragement to you. If you are someone who feels that they're writing very much in isolation, and especially if you're getting a lot of rejections and not understanding why, a mentor can be so, so valuable because it's a relationship with a certain level of objectivity, but also a certain level of care. This person is going to tell you what you need to know, but they're going to do it in a kind way. 
And obviously in an ideal world, an editor would be able to give you that kind of feedback as well. But editors are flooded with hundreds of submissions every issue. It's incredibly rare that you're going to get anything beyond maybe one line of feedback. And even that is gold, but it's most of the time just going to be the form rejection that we're all so familiar with. So yeah, don't feel like you have to go through a formal process to find a mentor and don't feel like you don't deserve one, that you're not ready for one. Yeah, I mean, people will only take you on if they have the time and inclination to do so. So you lose nothing by asking, really. So I've been thinking about that relationship quite a bit recently and I came across an article um, which is part of a series curated by Jennifer Bartlett and published on um, How To, and it's called This Condensary, Poets on Mentorship. I loved it immediately because it's a reference to that beautiful poem by Lorene Niedeker, Poet's Work, um, which I'm going to read for you at the end. And there's quite a few different parts to the series. One of them is an interview with Jennifer Firestone and Eileen Miles, and in this they talk about their relationship and the fact that while there's elements of mentorship in there it's also sort of a friendship and yeah they start to kind of question mentorship as a concept so I'll just read you some extracts from this interview and then uh, chat a bit about them. So they start by talking about probably the, one of the most famous examples of poetic mentorship that everyone's seen in every bookshop uh, Letters to a Young Poet by Rilke. So Jennifer Firestone says, we hadn't heard people speak about the omission of Franz Kappas's letters, and it was difficult for us not to see this as part of the problem embedded within a mentoring relationship. Perhaps Kappas's letters weren't all that compelling. Perhaps he didn't want to see them in print. Whatever the case may be, we wondered what Kappas actually asked Rilke and how much Rilke's responses about writing and his two cents about love, among other things, spoke to Kappas's queries. I definitely get that sense when I'm reading letters to a young poet that um, Rilke's probably just writing whatever he feels like on that day. And he always, the thing I love about that book is he always starts every letter with an apology for how long he's taken to get back to the person, which, you know, was kind of how we start every email these days. But yeah, I, I always wondered that. I'm like, where's the other half of this correspondence? Why has it been erased in this way? Why do we only care about what the mentor had to say? Surely Franz Kappas's questions are just as revealing and probably a whole lot more comforting to us as young poets reading this book. And so Jennifer goes on to say, mentorship does reek of hierarchy. It's a problem, has always been, and real connection and growth does seem to develop from more organic friendships and relationships over the work one does, and with your peers. So this is where the trouble kind of comes in, because say you have a mentor who's somebody whose work you really admire, and they're giving you feedback that you respect because of that, but you actually on a gut level don't agree with. That's a really interesting problem, right? Because are you going to go against your mentor, this person who in the hierarchy, quote unquote, is higher than you because they've had more books published, they've got more accolades, more experience? Or are you going to keep the line the way that you wanted to keep it because that's what feels right to you? 
I think that's such a great problem to have because really what's happening there is you're discovering where your line in the sand is with your work. And I guess you're possibly coming to that, again, troubled concept of your voice, quote unquote. Uh, Jennifer goes on to say, just to play the other side, I can say that I've heard many of my peers talk to the fact that they'd like more of a mentor figure in their lives, that they feel older artists are kind of not around or available to them. What is this desire? Is it really about wanting slash needing someone who's done what you think you want to do to let you ride on their coattails for a little bit or whisper in your ear? I'm not sure. I mean, having someone who's done what you think you want to do is, I think, the central benefit of a mentor-mentee relationship in writing, in poetry. There's no map, right? There's no real um, sense of how much to write, where to submit, what to write about, what kind of poems to write beyond just looking at the work that's being published. And there you run into the problem of, well, am I just going to copy what they're doing? Having someone who's done it before, especially if they have a, a long career and they've changed their approach a number of times and they've had those experiences of um, doubting themselves and despairing over rejection and then those highs of being published and getting awards, I think that's so valuable. Um, what could be more valuable than that? That's, that's advice and experience that really none of your peers can share with you. And it humanizes it, right? Because you can read the bios of someone who has 20 books out, but you don't really know what that process was. You don't really know what their life looked like at the time. Like, how were they supporting that work? Were they working? Do they have a family that they were also supporting? Did they travel? Um, yeah, how did that actually come to be? So I think having someone to whisper in your ear in that way is, is a very, very valuable thing for sure. Even if it does put you in this position of having someone who's above you, who you respect possibly to the detriment of your own decision making at times. So Eileen Miles chimes in a little bit further down. She says, I loathe the term mentorship. It just sounds like professionalized friendship. We do have careers and friendships occur there. I just didn't come up with that language and I don't really like the system that supports it. It seems extremely capitalist. Fair criticism, I think, there, although Eileen in this uh, scenario is the mentor, so it's sort of easier there to... Um, to say that it's a professionalized friendship. Um, it's tricky though, because I mean, in my case, I did end up becoming really good friends with my mentor, which is something that I'm, I'm so grateful for. And it's so much more valuable than any of the feedback or anything that I learned through that, uh, through the mentorship. Possibly too, that was a reason why the the mentorship relationship ended up shifting because eventually we were friends and then I didn't feel as if it was really the right thing to do to be sending poems to this person because, uh, you know, it's sort of a bit of a, a, you know, it's an interruption. It can be a bit of a burden sometimes, um, which is not to say that like friends shouldn't send each other poems. That's, that's also a great thing to do. And there was actually a point where we we swapped work for a little bit. And that was that was amazing for me because 
I was still very much in this headspace of, well, your work is so much better than mine. You know, what have I got to say? But then I actually came up with some good feedback. So that was, that was a great experience. Yeah, this idea of the professionalized friendship is a tricky and interesting one. Eileen goes on to say, mentorship is totally hierarchical as a reigning reality. It suggests that someone has the keys to the kingdom. I think your own horizontal friendships are way more important and really are the future. I think it's a gift if both poets are genuinely excited by the possibilities in one another's work. I definitely agree with that as well. Like I say, sharing work between peers, between friends, that's one of the joys of writing really. It can, it can be a burden and an interruption on the other person's life and you want to be careful with it. You want to make sure that you always give that person space and time to actually read what you're sending them. Um, but God, I mean, some of the best feedback I've had has been from other poets who are sort of at a similar-ish stage in their career and um, who I think of primarily as friends and, and not as mentors. Maybe there are things you can say in that relationship that you can't say as a mentor. Maybe you can sort of rib someone a little bit about something that they always do. Um, yeah, but more than that, I think the more important thing is that you can commiserate with each other about how challenging it is sometimes when you're not writing or what you don't like the writing that you are doing or the writing that you are doing is being rejected. <laughs> um, a mentor can't really offer you that empathy for your particular challenges because their challenges are completely different. And yeah, I think that's, that's really, really one of the huge joys of having a friend who's a poet or a poet who's a friend. And it's not just commiseration as well, of course. There's, there's encouragement that friends who are poets can offer each other as well. They can really say to you things like, you should keep this exactly as it is. You shouldn't be listening to what these mentor figures are saying or trying to copy this other person's work who's been published. You should be listening to your own voice, quote unquote. And that's, again, one of the great things that I've gotten out of um, sharing my work with friends is that I feel as if they can see what I'm trying to do and they'll draw it out of the poem in a way that a mentor might not because they don't know me as well. Of course, there's also kind of an administrative aspect to both of these relationships in that friends who are poets and also mentors are useful just in that they can tell you when there are opportunities coming up. More often than not, it's a friend who will tell me that Mianjin is open because <laughs> I'm really bad at keeping track of that. And I try to do the same. I try to let people know when a journal is open for submission, has a theme that I think would fit with their work. Um, God, it's a full-time job keeping track of that stuff. So yeah, it's great to have people to lean on in that way. Even if that's all you get out of the relationship, I think that's fantastic as well. And then, of course, there's the reading side of it. So I don't think it should just be two poets writing and sending each other um, their latest drafts. I think it's also really important. And this is an idea that I've become more and more strong on as time has gone on. 
you should be sending each other poems that you love and you should be appreciating other people's work. You should be reading it. You should be getting excited and you should be feeling compelled to send it to your poetry friends. Um, again, a little bit tricky with a mentor, although I do remember my mentor saying to me, have you read this, this latest book by this person? Um, you should really check it out. I think it, it sort of fits with your work. And yeah, that was really useful too, kind of getting a reading list from that person in a way. So there are so many benefits to having these relationships. And I think if you buy into the myth that uh, poetry is a solitary pursuit, you're probably doing your work quite a disservice. There's nothing wrong. You're not cheating by sharing your work with other people, by getting feedback. You're not, um, you're not going to dilute it. Um, you're not going to be influenced by them any more than you want to be. And probably you're going to find out more about yourself and about what you actually want to write um, by sharing with people. All that said, uh, the poem that I want to end on, Poet's Work by Lorene Niedeker, uh, is very much a poem of uh, solitary work. I feel weird calling it poet's work because when we studied this in uh, modern and contemporary American poetry with Al Filaris, shout out, uh, we it didn't have a title. I think it's published here on Poetry Foundation under the title Poet's Work just because they don't really do um, first lines as titles. But I know this poem as Grandfather Advised Me. Grandfather advised me, learn a trade. I learned to sit at desk and condense. No layoff from this condensary.